The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 165 To Fight and Build As the new governor of Judea, Nehemiah had all the necessary authority from the Persian ruler Artaxerxes to build up Jerusalem's defenses. More importantly, God was fully backing his work. After arriving in Jerusalem, Nehemiah surveyed the damage to the city wall and gates, devised a plan, and revealed his purpose to the city's inhabitants. The people were ready to join Nehemiah and build the wall together, regardless of the resistance from the surrounding provincial leaders. The next day, all able-bodied men gathered at the city wall with spades, hammers, and picks in hand to start working. In some areas, the wall needed heavy repairs, including digging down through the rubble to find a firm foundation on which to build. In other places, new towers needed to be constructed against weak parts of the city wall for greater support and to provide a vantage point to defend the city from attackers. Given the monumental task, Nehemiah had to organize the group effectively. Before one stone was laid, he gathered the patriarchs outside his tent for a work meeting. You see how few of us there are to do this job. Given the adversaries we face, we don't have much time to build before they come to attack us. Nehemiah told the Jewish leaders. The only way we can accomplish our goal is to work together and yet work apart. What do you mean? Asked one of the men. Well, I propose that we separate ourselves into work crews made up of our own families. You each know your kin better than anyone else and would know how to best use their individual abilities. You'll each be in charge of your own crew and building a separate portion of the wall. This way the whole wall can be constructed concurrently, making use of every family and every man. That's a good idea, said one of the older men. Others agreed. Nehemiah then unrolled a large scroll of parchment upon the table in front of him. Come in close so you can see this map, Nehemiah instructed the group. I've already marked out the whole city wall and decided which families will build the different portions. Pointing to the top portion of the map, Nehemiah continued. Starting in the north, we have the priestly family of Elishib. Nehemiah looked up from the map and addressed the well-dressed man in front of him. Elishib, you and your sons will start with the sheep gate in the very north of the city and continue building the wall until the Tower of Hananiel. Is this clear? Yes, sir, we can do it. Elishib responded. Nehemiah then looked down at the map once again. Is there a representative from Jericho here? He asked. Yes, I'm here, called out a man from the back. Once he made his way forward, Nehemiah instructed him. You and your family are to continue from where Elisha's family ends their portion at the Tower of Hananiel until you reach the fish gate. Is this clear? Yes, sir, we will do it, he replied. Great, Nehemiah said as he looked down at the map again to read the next family positioned along the city wall. 
Is Hessena here? He asked, looking around the group. Yes, I'm here. Spoke up a man to Nehemiah's left. Gradually, Nehemiah called out the names of all the leaders of the tribes of Judah, Benjamin and Levi, that were present and assigned them to different portions of the wall until the whole wall was accounted for. Now we can begin the work of building the wall and protecting the holy city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah concluded. The group of men let out an enthusiastic cheer. They were excited to see Nehemiah's strategy and knew that, with God's help, they would succeed. After being dismissed, most of the men went off to survey the portions of the wall they were assigned. Others left for home to gather their families to bring them to Jerusalem to start the work. All were excited to finally begin working on the wall. For the next few weeks, Jerusalem buzzed with the sounds of a construction site. Every able-bodied man was incorporated into the building effort. In most places, the new city wall was constructed on the location of the previous wall that had been destroyed. This required first clearing off the upper levels of debris and rubble from the previous wall. In some cases, parts of the earlier wall could be built upon. In other areas, the wall had been totally destroyed. After clearing off the rubble, construction could begin. Large timbers were brought in from afar and shaped by the carpenters to make the doors of the gates. For the stonework, the Jews had to make do with whatever resources they could find in the vicinity. Stones from the previous wall that had fallen down and broken were even used in the new construction. There was no time to quarry new stones for this wall. Yet even with meager resources, God blessed the work and the Jews could see the wall progressing. It did not take long for word to reach Sanballat, governor of Samaria, that Nehemiah had organized the Jews to start building the wall. Privately, Sanballat was furious at the progress in Jerusalem. He could see his chance at taking over the Jewish province slipping from his grasp. In public, however, he chose to mock the building effort. What do these feeble and weak Jews think they are doing? Sanballat shouted to his army standing at attention. Do they think that they are going to be able to fortify themselves in their city? Do they think they can sacrifice to their God and that wall will rise out of the ground? He continued to mock the Jews as he paced back and forth along an elevated platform. After a brief pause, he turned toward the enraptured crowd of soldiers. Do they think they'll be able to finish it in one day? For I tell you, that is how long it will take for us to get there and tear it down. The army roared enthusiastically at the thought of going to Jerusalem and taking the city. Oh, those pitiful Jews. Sanballat continued condescendingly. 
what do they think they're going to use for material? Do they think they can revive those fallen stones and build a wall out of rubbish? As if on cue, Tobiah, the Ammonite governor who was in attendance at the rally, rose to his feet beside Sanballat and yelled in the same spirit. Oh yes, those poor, feeble Jews. All it would take is a small fox to walk upon their wall for it to crumble under its weight. What a joke their wall is. The frenzied crowd cheered, filling Sanballat with confidence. After such a display of loyalty, he knew it would be easy to convince his army to fight the Jews. Later in Jerusalem, Nehemiah heard of the military rally that Sanballat had organized and the taunts he had directed at the Jews. However, Nehemiah realized that such taunts weren't really directed against him or the Jews, but against God. So he prayed about the situation. Hear, O our God, for we are a despised people, scorned by the nations around us for the work we're doing. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders of your city. Nehemiah did not take Sanballat's mockery personally, but rather was angry that the heathen leader would have the impudence to speak against God. Even with all the hostile threats and mockery, the wall continued to be built. For the people had the mindset to work. It would take more than words to stop them. At this point, the wall was almost halfway done with the entire circumference of the city nearly complete. Still, it was only about half as high as it needed to be for a secure defense. Realizing their mockery hadn't slowed the work in Jerusalem, Sanballat came up with a more sinister plan. He would resort to violence. He wasn't the only one upset that Jerusalem was being defended. The other provincial rulers surrounding the Jews were also angry. They decided to form an alliance against the Jews to stop the work by force. Sanballat arranged for a meeting with the leaders of Ammon, Arabia, and the Ashdodites at a secret location to ensure their plans didn't reach Nehemiah and the Jews. We are all gathered here because we can't afford for the Jews to rise up as power among us. Sanballat addressed the group. When Jerusalem is strong, then the Jews naturally will look to expand their power, and that means into our territories. The other governors nodded in agreement. Sanballat continued. Our best chance to stop the Jews is now, before their city defenses are built. How do you propose we do that? Asked Gershom the Arabian. Nehemiah has the legal backing of the Persian Empire. Going against him in battle could bring the Persian army upon our peoples. You're right, Sanballat responded. We can't fight them in open battle. Instead, we have to use clandestine tactics using smaller raiding parties 
to pick off the Jews one by one, family by family. Such a war of attrition will weaken their resolve to build the wall. Sanballat then detailed the first of a series of small attacks against the Jews. Despite Sanballat's efforts to keep these plans secret, God saw to it that Nehemiah learned of his new offensive so he could take precautions. Firstly, Nehemiah encouraged the people to pray that God would protect them in their building efforts and ensure that any plans to hamper it would come to nothing. He also took more physical steps to prepare for the attacks. In a number of locations in and around Jerusalem, Nehemiah set up watchtowers to warn about enemy combatants. Day and night, Jewish sentinels manned these stations and alerted Nehemiah whenever they saw raiders approaching. The added pressure of potentially facing enemy attacks while continuing to build the wall took its toll on the Jews. Many became discouraged as they saw how much work was left to be done on the wall. Nehemiah was acutely aware of the sinking morale of the people. He set out to counter it immediately. He called for a break in the work and brought all the people together to hear him speak. Standing before the people, Nehemiah told them how God had been protecting them over the past few days. Every planned attack by the enemy had come to nothing. God saw to it that the Jews living on the outer regions of Judea were able to hear and see the enemy troop movements and quickly alert Nehemiah to fortify their defenses. Then I armed a number of families with spears, bows, and swords to protect the areas of the walls they planned to attack. Did you all see how our enemies have retreated when they saw we were ready for them? Nehemiah said. Time and again, God has used our Jewish brethren to alert us to every potential attack, and in every instance, the enemy has fled before us. This is not a time to be fearful, Nehemiah boldly proclaimed. Remember the Lord, who is great and powerful, and stand up and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Hearing Nehemiah speak so confidently of God's intervention and protection greatly encouraged the people. They left the meeting determined to protect Jerusalem, even to fight for it if need be. Back in Samaria, Sanballat was anything but encouraged. How can this be? He screamed at a messenger who had just delivered some bad news. You mean to tell me that they had over a hundred soldiers waiting for our attack? Yes, sir. They were ready for us once again. This is the tenth time they have had superior numbers at the exact time and place we were going to attack. Sanballat muttered to himself. Somebody's giving our positions away. If it doesn't stop soon, we will have to try something else. He then spoke to the messenger. You are dismissed, and next time, bring me some good news. Realizing his plan had failed, Sanballat soon called off the surprise attacks. Nehemiah recognized the change of tactics and assembled the people once more to update them on their orders. 
Sanballat might not be sending his raiding parties as often, but we need to be ready for him. Nehemiah instructed. It doesn't matter what job you're fulfilling in building the wall, everyone is to have a weapon on him at all times. We need to be ready to fight in case of attack, but we still need to do the work of building the wall. This means that for those who are carrying materials for the construction, you should do so with one hand. Your other hand should clutch tightly to your sword. For those who are working the pulleys and placing the stones, you're going to need two hands to do your work. However, you should have your sword strapped to your waist. As Nehemiah gave instructions, there was a rustling through the ranks as the Jews reorganized their weapons as Nehemiah commanded. As for my servants, Nehemiah continued, half will now join the ranks of building the wall while the other half will stay dressed and armed for warfare. Nehemiah then pointed to his soldiers standing at attention to the right of the group. With spears, bows, swords, and shields, and armored in coats of mail, this squadron of soldiers will follow me throughout the day and also give lookout from the wall, he said. Also, I have instructed my assistant to be with me at all times and carry a trumpet. As we get more portions of the wall finished, the distance between the crews is going to become greater. When we are under attack, my servant will blow the trumpet, and then you are to come running to defend that part of the wall. But don't let your hearts worry. God shall fight for us and bring us the victory. One more thing, Nehemiah added. It would be best from now on that we all sleep inside the city walls at night with our servants. During the nighttime portion, while my soldiers get some rest, our servants will keep watch on the wall and alert us to any attacks. Nehemiah's brilliant leadership, coupled with his reliance on God, continued to encourage the Jews that the wall could be built even under trying circumstances. The families returned to their portion of the wall and continued to build, this time with their eyes open for enemy attack and ears listening for the sound of the trumpet. Nehemiah also led by example, sacrificing his own personal comfort by commanding his servants to be engaged in the work rather than to serve him. They too kept their weapons by their sides at all times ready to engage in battle at a moment's notice. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story, find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.